This week, my wife and I decided to drive together to pick our two youngest kids up from school. And we didn't decide to drive together because we don't do that. I don't want you guys to think that we're in turmoil. On our way back to drop them off at CLC, praise God for CLC, my ever-inquiring five-year-old daughter began a conversation with her mother. Lila said, Mommy, is your stomach better? Now, she is asking this question because she knows her mom just recently had surgery. And she knows she really hasn't been going outside, but she was excited to see her mom. And she wanted to know if she should get used to seeing mom again after leaving school. Lila asks again, Mom, is your stomach better? And Paige said, a little, but it still hurts. Lila, mommy just wanted to get out of the house, but mommy is not completely better. And Lila said, in her five-year-old mind, as, as, that, as that thought of what her mom had just deposited in her head, she said, Mom, you can't go to the doctor anymore because the doctor hurt you. No more going to the doctor. And in that moment, I stepped in. And I said, well, Lila, sometimes the doctor has to hurt you in order to make you feel better. And I know this is hard for her to wrap her mind around because for her, why would you ever trust someone who hurts you. My mom doesn't need the doctor. The doctor hurt mommy. And isn't it easy to write her off with a one day she'll understand? But can we be honest? It is hard for even us adults to comprehend and wrap our mind around how someone who is good could hurt us. Is there anyone in the room who has lived between pain and goodness? I mean, is there anyone here that lives on the street of pain and goodness avenue? It is a trying and complexing place to be. It will take some time for Lila to understand mommy's firm position that though the doctor slays her, yet will she trust her doctor. And many of you would be aware that Job echoed those words, though he slay me, yet will I trust him? If we can get off of our religious horse this morning, I, I, I want to ask something of you right now. I want to ask you to just be human for a moment. I know that you're sanctified, and I know that you've got great faith, faith that can move mountains, but I just want you to be human for a moment. That phrase sounds ridiculous. And to be quite honest, in the real world, in the real time, it doesn't make sense. It's actually harder to wrap our minds around than, than for my five-year-old to wrap her mind around doctors hurting people and people still going back. Because with God, we don't expect him to fail us, 
and that he has enough resources not to hurt us. See, unlike the doctor, God has healing power. No, my bad. God has all power. Yes, God has all power. I mean, the doctor has some power. Yeah, 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 yeah. The president has some power. The governor has some power. But there's going to come a time in your life where you're going to need someone who doesn't just have some power. You're going to need someone who has all power. And friends, I'm glad you came to church today because I want to remind you of a God who doesn't have some power, limited power, but a God who has all power. Let me pause for a minute because you're not tracking with me yet. I'm talking about the God who speaks and things come into existence. Matter of fact, let me bring it a little bit closer to home. I want to get in your living room. I'm talking about the God who kept your mind together all of these years, who kept your emotional life together. You should have fallen apart, but you encounter the God who has all power. This lesson today, so that when we face difficult times of life, we can look confidently and lovingly into the face of our Heavenly Father and declare, though you slay me, I'm still rocking with you. A time comes in the life of us all that we'll have to learn to trust God when the bottom falls out. I'm going to run that one back. Maybe you're sitting here and you're not going through anything. You're going to want to tuck this sermon in the pocket of your heart. Because a time comes in the life of us all that we'll have to learn to trust God when the bottom falls out. Most of our wrestling in trials has less to do with the circumstance and more to do with trusting God. Will we trust God or believe our circumstance? Will we believe in the many voices around us or will we trust God? This was Job's wrestle, and today it is our lesson. Friends, it was just an ordinary day for old Job. He woke from his slumber. He showered. He dressed himself ready for the day after stopping at Starbucks and grabbing his favorite cup of coffee, Job was anticipating a good day. I mean, after all, Job and God were cool. I mean, Job and God were homies. Job and God were legitimately, authentically friends. God is Job's friend. And when God is your friend, what less would you expect than a good day? Job didn't know. No, he didn't know. Just like we don't know that that day that he woke up, that, that he would be under the pressure of personal tragedy. Tragedy that makes you question your own loyalty to God. Troubles that would not only see in his world spinning like a merry-go-round, but his mind and his faith spinning as well. Have you ever had such Troubles. Where was God when I had the miscarriage? Troubles. Where was God when 
my marriage started to fold troubles. Where was God when they broke into my house? Troubles. Where was God when my uncle touched me in the wrong way? Troubles. Where is God when black women go unheard and unseen? Troubles. Where was God when the bottom in the valley of life became my living address? I love the way that Charlie Date says, have you ever asked who is God anyways? Who is God to be trusted? That's what Job asked in chapter 21. Is God just some graduated form of childhood fantasy Santa Claus? Have you ever hit a season in your life where your prayers felt like fireworks, that they went up with so much life and came back down burnt and unanswered? Have you ever uttered these words? Here it is. What good is prayer? Oh, can we be honest this morning? How about this? What good is church? How about this? What good is it to be righteous? What good is it to wait until marriage to have sex? Seems like those who are doing bad is better off than me. Has anybody ever been in that situation to look across the street and to see your neighbor that is never up to no good doing so well and it puts you in a position to say, God, I'm doing good. God, I'm doing well. But God, I don't feel your presence. See, I got to argue this morning. Your faith hasn't matured until it has been tested by those questions and somehow made it out alive. Your faith has not matured until it's been tested by those questions and somehow made it out alive on the other side. You see, Job had these questions. Job seen the lightning flash. He heard the thunder world. He felt sin breakers dashing, trying to conquer his soul. And maybe you're sitting there with a bit of a smirk on your face. Oh, yes, I came prepared for you this morning. If not on your face, maybe, maybe in your heart. And the reason for the smirk is you're thinking, I've never questioned God. I, I, I've never, I never asked those Job-like questions. But let me ask you something else. Maybe you haven't said those words. What about your living? Do you have, as one preacher says, a sort of, practical atheism, where you live like there is no God. Your theology says, trust God, but your life reveals that you say no to your theology. See, we tend to consider in our, we consider to see, we consider to, in our life, that, that, that belief in God is only words, but the Bible argues differently that belief in God is not just about what you say, but it's about what you do. And I want to argue today that, that life at some point will push you to reckon with your orthodoxy and your orthopraxy. Do you really believe and trust God? And nothing will get you to that place quicker than when you feel like God is punishing you and you did nothing wrong. It's one thing, church, to face a trial and you know it's on you. 
Now, that's different. I'm talking about the trial that you enter into, and you know that this one ain't on the devil this time. I'm, I'm talking about, I'm talking them trial, this one ain't on God, this one ain't on the devil, this one is on me. Anybody ever been there said, God ain't do this, I did this, I messed this up. This ain't got nothing to do with God, this is on me. I did all of this. That's one thing. But when God subtracts from you and you ain't did nothing, now that's a harder situation to go through. But when God subtracts from you and you ain't did anything, that is a difficult situation to go through. And you got a questions for God in those situations. And if you got questions for God, welcome to the team. As one preacher says, there might not be genuine faith where there is not reasoning about God's whereabouts. You may not have real faith if you never wonder about God. Because although questioning God is, is sometimes, for some reason, shamed in the church, it is sometimes in our questioning that we genuinely start to search for God. It is sometimes in our questioning that we diligently begin to seek God. And the Bible says that God is a rewarder of those who what? Y'all know y'all Bible up in here. Yah, Job is seeking God out because he wants to talk to God. He wants to talk to God because Job is firm that he ain't did nothing wrong. God, I've been doing your will. I have not gotten what I deserve. Job comes to this passage with an attitude of, if God is going to slay me, let me talk to him. If I have no say-so in the seasons and changes of my life and what comes in and out of my life, let me talk to God. Friends, we will learn from this text that faith is not circumstantial. That faith can't be based on where you are and what you got and what happens to what I got. No, friends, faith has to be rooted in God is real and I trust him no matter what happens. And in order for this to happen sometimes, God has to take us into a near-death experience. It's like my wife, Bamboo, uh, it's, uh, it's like Paige, Bamboo Plant. We forgot to water it, y'all. We did. We neglected that poor plant in the basement. And you know when you don't water a plant, you know what happens to it. It dries, it dries up. It was, it was near death, but not quite dead. So a bit of water in the roots could come alive still. And friends, this is where Job is in the book of Job. He's like the bamboo plant. God takes him to a near-death experience. God dries everything up around Job. And, and before Job leaves earth, God has a lesson for him and he has a lesson for us. Let me say this because I believe that this is the lesson for us today. What we learn from Job is trouble will do one or two things. Trouble will do one or two things. It will either drive you to God or it will drive you away from God. 
I better say that again. I like the way it sounds. Let me play it back. I'm coming through the back door this time. Trouble, Keith, Mama Bell, Scott, Dad, Mike, Molly. Don't get mad if I ain't say your name. The sermon will be longer. <laughs> Trouble will either drive us to God or trouble will drive us away from God. In, in that, we discover what we are worshiping all along. And I need you to sit in that for a moment because I need that to hit you. Trouble will reveal what you've been worshiping the whole time. Trouble will will uncover you. Trouble will discover you. Trouble has a way of showing you what you're worshiping in your life. Uh, Who are you worshiping? Because you can fake all us out. But one day your trouble is going to find you out. Now, I don't want to assume everybody knows who Job is. I know I got a bunch of scholars in the room. For those of us who, who may not know who Job is, the Bible says that there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. Now, I don't know where Uz is. I do know where Oz is, but I don't know where Uz is. I don't, I don't know where that is. I don't know where that is. I don't know, Wally, if you know where it is. I don't know where it is. And the Bible goes on to say that, that, man, that, that Job was blameless. Watch the description of Job. That Job was blameless. He was upright. And he was one who feared God and turned away from evil. The Bible describes Job as a good dude. He's not your average churchgoer, not Job. He's not an average warmer. You think of the most holiest person right now. Get the most holiest person in your head. And Job is ten times better than them. The Bible talks about how Job made covenant with his eyes that he would not look on a woman lustfully. I thought y'all would have said amen to that one. That, that, I, 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 you know, I just expected that one to hit different. Uh, church folks, I tell you. Uh, y'all just going to act like that ain't no big deal. Brothers in the room, that's a big deal. I mean, Job seen a woman coming by and Job turned the other way. But hold on, ladies, because I've been around y'all too. Come on now, because we make it okay for man, but come on now, ladies. Ooh, he's so fine. Y'all know what y'all mean when y'all say fine. If y'all say handsome, I let it long. Y'all say fine, come on now. All I'm trying to say is that, is that by the laughter in the room, we can all agree that Job got us all beat when it comes to being a good dude. You could check Job DMs in and, and would still, still come to this conclusion, blameless. Okay, that didn't get you. You could check Job's Android text messages. Because we already know Apple people, they way out there. They, 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 no, they not blameless, they blameful, right? You could check Job, you hear me being, you could check Job's, like, like, like you can grab his phone. He wouldn't even mind. You can grab Job's phone, check his text messages. Blameless. Okay, that didn't get y'all. 
because some of y'all ain't got Android. Let me try this angle right here. Bet you this one get all of y'all. You could check Job's computer history. The cookies, <laughs> still blameless. Job, y'all, the Bible says not only was he upstanding, not only was he righteous, not only was he blameless. Watch how the Bible describes him all more. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one uh, 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 on his day, and they would send an invite to their sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the days of the feast had run their course, Job would sin and concentrate them. And he would rise up early in the morning and offer burnt offering according to the number of them. And Job said, it may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their heart. Thus Job did continually. Y'all, not only was Job a blameless man, but Job was a good dad. And he wanted his children to be righteous. But just in case they may have sinned against God, he sent up a sacrificial cash app on their behalf. I threw that cash app in. Job was an outstanding dad because not only did he raise his kids, but he even after leaving his home, he after, after his kids leaving his home, he kept their names lifted up in prayer. Here is a man, church that is faithful to his wife, faithful to his kids, and faithful to his God. Job's love for his family was strong. He had military grade A Teflon love for his fam. And you can't ask for a better man. But Job is not only righteous, not only a family man, but he is rich. Not only is he blameless, not only is he a family man, but he's rich, and I don't want that rich to pass you by. No, he's not just rich. He's rich, rich. He makes the owner of Amazon and Tesla look like poppers. The Bible says he possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yokes of oxen, 500 female donkeys. I don't know why the Bible put five, 500 female donkeys. And very many servants, so that this man was the greatest of all people of the East. If T.I. is the king of the South, he's the king of the East. That's for you hip-hop folks. But one day, y'all, one day, oh, watch, story turn. Because one day, life happens. No, y'all not with me yet. When I say life happens, it really happens. It Happen, happen. Job had a personal 9-11 in pandemic rolled into one day. Life happened to Job. But what is about to happen on earth to Job starts with a conversation in heaven. Go to heaven with me, if you will. Now there was a day when the sons of God, here's the scripture, came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan and also came along them. The Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? And answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. Y'all, Satan is looking to destroy somebody's faith. Y'all need to know that, that Satan ain't after your kids. He's not after your job. 
He's not after your money. He's not after your promotion. He's after your faith. But y'all get ready for what God says. Now, this is what tripped me out. Now, this right here, this is when I get emotional right here, okay? Y'all need to really hop in the text here because, I, I, you know, I was like, God, you ain't right. You ain't right. Well, watch this. And the Lord said to Satan, Satan, have you considered my servant Job? God, what are you going to say to me? I mean, come on, can we be honest? Like, you going you, 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 you gonna, you gonna, you gonna to put the target on me, God? We thought we was, I thought we was cool, you know? Like, you just going to do that to me? And so God says, have you have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on all the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? Then listen to what Satan says. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him in his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. Satan is like, Job, God is only rocking with you because of what you've given him. He's rocking with you because you've been so good to him. He's like, he's like, he, he's like, he's only like that because because you're giving him comfort, you're giving him money, he can go to the signature room, he can say it to Godfrey. I mean, I mean, you blessed him really well. He likes the J's on his feet. Amen to the J's in the room. He likes the money in his account. And he's like being affluent and living in, and, and he loves living in an affluent community. Job is bought into a theology that says, if you sow good, God will make you rich. He's bought into the concept that strong faith can be measured by the car you drive and the square footage of your home and the state of your health. But take away all that stuff, God. Take away every single thing that you've given him that is luxury. Take away his family. Take away his fortune. Take away his fitness and take away his friends. And I guarantee you that he'll curse you to your face. And you'll realize that he's not rocking with you. And many of you can relate already because you had some people in your life that was rocking with you when things were good. But when the bottom fell out, those same people that were rocking with you, you couldn't find them. You, it, it, it's something about troubled times that reveals who's actually for you. In other words, Job, Satan is saying, Job is worshiping you so that you will continue to keep his family safe, his fitness right. His fortune high and his friends close. And God says, watch it. Here, here it is. He said it. This is, oh, my goodness. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. Watch it, what God does. I want you to take Job to the state of the bamboo plant, but don't kill him. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. And so the test begins. Will Job troubles drive him to God or will Job troubles drive him from God? Will Job troubles drive him to God or will Job troubles drive him from God? Oh, what a test. Now, there was a day, the Bible says, when the sons and daughters were eating and drinking and wine in their oldest brother's house. I did say wine for anybody wondering if I said it. There it is right there. I didn't say it. That was in the Bible. And there came a messenger to Job and said, 
The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. And the sevens fell upon them and took them and struck down the servants and with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Isn't this something that Satan will leave somebody to come tell you the bad news? He just didn't kill them all. No, I'll make sure this get back to this brother. And while he was yet speaking, there came another said, the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone, there it is. Have escaped to tell you, you can feel the panic and the panting as these servants are coming to Job. They are experiencing something that has never happened before. They're experiencing a personal pandemic and a 9-11 are rolled up into one and they run to Job and they say, Job, things are falling apart. And while another one would speak it, I don't know if you ever been in a situation where one bad news was stacked on another bad news on top of another bad news. This is Job right now in this moment and I need you to feel the pain and to feel the anxiety anxiety and to feel the fear that is hitting Job. One servant after another and another one comes while he was yet speaking. There came another and said, the Chaldeans formed three groups and made a raid on the camels and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. And here it is. I alone have escaped to tell you Job is having a personal pandemic in a 9-11 where everything is shutting down. And this is like nothing he has ever experienced. And then verse 18. Uh, he was yet speaking, there came another and said, and this is the one that is hard. I think this is the one that would have made me crack. This is the one that I would have said, God, that is enough. This is the one that would have set my face spinning and swirling because now there's one thing to attack my camels. There's another thing to, 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 to attack my houses and my riches, but then my kids. I need you to feel this. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house and it fell upon the young people and they are dead. And isn't it like Satan? To leave one alive to go tell the bad news. And I alone have escaped to tell you. I need you, church, Bethel Gary, I need you to enter into the pain of Job right now. I need you, as best you can, to feel the weight of this. Job just lost everything. Job has to bury not one of his kids, but all of his kids. Can you imagine him at the funeral home? And there's not just one casket, there's 10 caskets lined up in the funeral home. And he's sitting on the front row weeping. After he leaves the funeral home, he has no home to go to. He has no camels to go to. He has no riches to go to. See how badly Satan wants his faith destroyed and how badly Satan is trying to drive Job away from God. And when these events occurred in Job's life, he was faced with a certain temptation. And these are the same temptations we all face when trouble hunts us. Because trouble will break you. Trouble will make you say and do some crazy things. Do I got a witness this morning? I said trouble will make you say and do some crazy things. I'm going to say it again. I wish I had some folks that would help me preach this morning. I said trouble will make you do some crazy Thing. Trouble will be the thing that will bring you to that place that you do the thing that you never said you'll do. Trouble 
will bring you to some crazy places. Oh, trouble will make you do some crazy In fact, come here, Peter, and preach to God's people. Remember, Peter, you look Jesus in the face, and you told Jesus if all the rest of them betray you. Oh, Jesus, I want you to know that the one that you're looking at right now will never betray you. But y'all remember when trouble hit Peter? What did Peter do? I don't know that, brother. No, 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 I ain't, I ain't never seen him. Who Jesus? I don't know what you're talking about. He got amnesia. I mean, trouble to make you do some stuff. I've known trouble to make people snap and lose it. Trouble will drive you to some dark sin. Be careful to judge people unless you know what they've been through. But trouble can make you do a few things, and all these choices are before Job. Satan wanted trouble for Job that he might drive him away from God. And Satan wants the same thing for you and I. Satan wants us to blame God. Satan wants us to become bitter towards God. And Satan wants us to choose not to be bothered with God. Oh, come here, Martin Luther King, on this Black History Month and preach to God's people. Trouble will make you snap. I remember when MLK talked about when trouble almost made him lose it and snap. Before March on, before the March on Washington or his I Have a Dream speech, there was a defining moment for Martin Luther King. And it came past midnight in the kitchen at 309 South Jackson Street in Montgomery, Alabama. King was 27 years old, y'all. Two years into his role as a pastor of nearby Dexter Avenue Baptist Church. Over the past month, King had been leading the, Mo- M- the Montgomery bus boycott, a decision that set off a series of death threats delivered via mail and phone to his address. As many as 30 to 40 calls daily, can you imagine? Often at night, normally King could put the phone down and go back to sleep. Do you know sometimes trouble will wear on you? Uh, you ever you ever entered into a circumstance and you were full of faith, and as you progressed, your faith tended to dwindle a little bit. I mean, I mean, have you ever been in a circumstance where where I mean, I mean, you 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 were standing firm on God's word, and then one phone call one day took you to a place that you never thought you would go. This is King. And usually, when he gets those threats, he would he would put the phone down and. He would go back to sleep. But one call on the night of January 27 struck differently. It was 1956. King said that it stood out to him. As King's wife, Coretta, and 10-week-old daughter, Yolanda, slept in the master's bedroom nearby, the voice on the other end of the line said, the N-word, we're tired of your mess. And if you aren't out of this town in three days, we're going to blow your house, and we're going to blow your brains out. Shaken King went to the kitchen by himself, made a cup of coffee, but soon buried his face in his hands, and he began to pray aloud, Lord, I'm down here trying to do what is right. There's Job, but I must confess, everybody, anybody ever got honest with God in your troubles? I'm losing my courage, but late in the midnight hour, King said, 
I can hear in the voice. It's something about that midnight hour. Some strange things happen in the midnight hour. Have trouble ever woken you out of your sleep? Have, have you ever had trouble make you toss and turn? Has trouble ever disturbed your diet? Has trouble ever wrecked you so much that you couldn't fix your mind to a place of peace? And here is king. He's troubled. And all of a sudden, in that moment, God shows up. He said it in a voice. Said to me, Martin Luther, stand up for truth. And stand up for justice and stand up for righteousness. And lo, I will be with you to the end of the age. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, somebody, that God is with us no matter what we go through. Friends, I'm trying to tell somebody today that don't let trouble drive you from God but towards God. Open your mouth and worship God even in those moments because trouble may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Friends, what both Job and Martin reminds us is that trouble doesn't mean God's absence. And tragedy doesn't mean God has abandoned you. And don't listen to every friend that tells you differently. One of the great benefits of suffering is that it reveals the true character of people around you. Job friends, the Bible says that they came to comfort him. All they did was level one attack after the other at poor old Job. People will do some ugly things when you're going through it. Oh, people will say some ugly things. When you're at your lowest point, when you are down on your luck, people will say some nasty things. Anybody in the room experience such pain? And friends, when life hits you like that, and it can, uh, w w when life dries up all your resources, friends, it can feel like an occlusion workout. Now you may be saying, Pastor, what in the world are you talking about? What is an occlusion workout? workout. I started, and Crystal can testify, I started a new workout with Crystal. It's called occlusion workout. I didn't know what that meant. It sounded like the devil. Um, and basically what it is, is a workout that restricts blood from a working muscle. And so he wraps a band around, right above the working muscle to restrict blood from flowing to that muscle as you work it. Y'all, he made me tie a band around the top of my calves and restricted blood flow to my working muscle. And y'all, can I tell y'all, it burned like crazy and it tested my religion. I'm not lying to y'all. I'm being honest. I almost didn't get through it. I know I almost didn't get through it. Crazy not to be able to get what you need in a time of pain and stress. Oh, I'm preaching better than y'all talking to me. Y'all, I said that it's hard to, to keep going in a stressful situation when you're not getting what you need. I want to quit. I wanted to quit and said, you know what? I'm tired of this. I'm not going to do this. And you know what he's going to say to me? This is what Christian said. He said, Dexter, think of the results. I don't know if y'all ever, I know y'all say, I don't know if you ever wanted to cuss somebody out. I don't, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation and a person brings a Bible verse to you. Oh, y'all not going to be honest. Y'all ain't never been in a situation where you, being, have you ever been there? You, you're expressing yourself and they want to give you a Bible verse and you're like, I ain't trying to hear that right now. 
What I need, what I need is this pain to go away. But he reminded me, what this exercise does is it kickstarts some larger gains in muscle size and strength. And friends, what I'm trying to tell you is sometimes God will cut off some things you need by wrapping a band of trouble around you. And at times it will burn and you'll want to quit. But I want you to keep your eye on the results because on the other side of trouble is bigger faith. On the other side of trouble is great grace on the other side of trouble is greater mercy so though you may be troubled God has a plan for you but you got to focus on the results oh I know what some of you are thinking but pastor in trouble you don't always know what the results will be you know God doesn't always disclose his full plan to you and and I say I'll greet you there And you say, well, then, how should one endure? Friends, you know what really got me through that exercise? Not the results. What really got me through that includes an exercise is this, that a man I trusted had ordained that this exercise was good for me. And I honestly wouldn't have chosen it even knowing that it was good for me. But what made me do it again was that I trusted Christian. And friends, that's Job's story. We don't know the end of the book. I mean, Job didn't know the end of the book. He didn't know that his life would be restored. But this is what Job did know. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Though he dries up my resources, yet will I trust him. Though it's not going the way that I want to, yet will I trust him. Though the bank account is low, yet will I trust him. Though my friends have betrayed me, yet will I trust him. Though I'm going through it right now, yet will I trust him. Everybody at some point has to go to a place where nobody else can go with you. And that you got to decide that, God, I trust you. Everybody else may leave God, but I feel something down in my soul that preaches what Peter said. Where else shall we go? He has the words of eternal life. Something down inside of me says, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me. Something down inside of me tells me in those moments of occlusion situations that go he me, yet will I trust them. Something down inside of me testifies and says that these are momentary light afflictions compared to the eternal weight of glory. Something down inside of me says that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not tribulations, not trials. Something down inside of me reminds me that all things work together. I wish I had a church this morning. All things work together for the good. Oh, I'll just preach to myself then. All things work together for the good of those who trust him and called according to his purpose. Something got to stand up inside of you and say that he's a real tower of refuge, that he's a head lifter. Something down inside of you has got to say that those who wait on the Lord, he shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and they shall not get weary. Something down inside of you has to say as the deer pants after the water, so my soul pants after you. You got to have some connectivity to God. And I don't know why God schedules trouble. 
Uh, but I will trust him. But if Job is not enough, I got another J name for you. Do you know who he is? He's not Job, but he got the job done. It's another J name. And they put nails in his hands. And they put nails in his feet. It's another J name. Uh, they put a peer. They put a spear in his side. There's another J name. And he walked on water. There's another J name that was in the garden of Gethsemane. I don't know who I'm talking about yet. Well, let me give it to you like this. His name is Jesus, the author and finisher of our salvation. His name is Jesus, the one who is righteous, the, the living offspring of Jesse. Do you know what other J name that I'm talking about? And he endured that rugged cross for us. And in his deepest trials, he did not forsake the Father, though Satan tested him. It proved that he worshiped God. Both Job and Jesus waited on God in their troubles. And oh, how hard it is to wait on God. Oh. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Oh, how hard it is. To wait on God when you don't know how the book ends. Oh, how hard it is to wait on God when, when you're at a funeral home with 10 caskets in front of you. How hard it is to wait on him. Oh, when trouble is all around you, how hard it is to wait on God. But friends, Job teaches us that our troubles, Lila, I not drive us away from God, but towards God. Lila, sometimes God has to hurt you, sweetie, to make you feel better. And we can clap. We can celebrate, Lila. But one day, what your mama had to do, you're going to have to do. And you're not going to be able to live on mama's faith. You're going to have to live on your own faith. Because one day, Lila, religion is going to have to turn into relationship. And if religion never turns into relationship, you'll never make it through your troubles. But if you can depend on Jesus, he'll get the job done because he did it for Job. Amen, somebody. Amen. Praise the Lord, somebody. Isn't he worthy? Isn't he worthy, church? I say, isn't he worthy, church? Isn't he an awesome God? Isn't he a mighty God? Oh, he got us, church. Oh, he got us, church. Yes, he does. Oh, let me, let me, let me settle down. I've kept you too long. I feel like preaching, but I'm going to settle down, church. God got us. In the palm of his hand. And he's worth it.